everybody. Welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host, James Chen, a.k.a. Jay Chenzor. We're going to talk about some interesting topics here today, but also I just kind of want, I haven't done a nice, fun Q&A session with the viewers. I always like seeing the kind of questions that they bring up and always ends up in some really interesting discussion. So uh, we're actually going to go ahead and do that. But before we do that, I do want to talk about one topic first, and then we'll go into the uh, viewer Q&A uh, session here. So what we're actually going to talk about first here is the concept of balance. Uh, it's an interesting, It's an interesting topic to talk about these days because... It's kind of a loaded topic. It's kind of an interesting question now because I feel like what people consider balance and what people consider as balanced fighting games has changed a lot over uh, over time. And at this point in time, it's like we're living in an age these days where we have the ability to patch games and to uh, you know tweak games and everything like that, but. What a lot of people considered balanced is very subjective. <laughs> There's a lot of opinions out there. And the subjectivity paints a lot of, of people's opinions about balance. And what it ends up doing, I feel like, is it really kind of creates this... Um, like it says down here, what should we expect from a balanced fighting game? It almost feels like it kind of creates an unrealistic expectation all right so i mean let's talk about this first what do we consider uh uh i mean yes yeah, even everybody in the chat saying it too right to hollows is balance is what lets me win gun duty guy says the concept of balance for everyone means good for me bad for everyone else obviously we're they're joking but at the same time are are they joking right i mean that's what a lot of uh people do when they talk about balance, right? A lot of people really think about <laughs> balance uh, in terms of how it affects them directly. And that's one of the toughest things about balance is because it is so subjective, right? It really depends on kind of what side of the balance you're coming from. But yeah, even Gundam Judy guys like, are we... <laughs> Are we really joking? But uh, let's talk about this really quick. What is a balanced fighting game, right? So in a utopian society, like let's just define what we consider to be a balanced fighting game, right? A balanced fighting game is essentially a game where every character has an equal chance of winning against every other character in the game, right? So the idea is that, you know, no matter who you pick, you should have an equal chance of winning. Like, if you got the best player of each character, they should all have an equal chance of winning uh, the ma any matchup in the game uh, as uh, if they had played any other character. So this is the mythical utopian balance that we are striving for here. So the, the, the crazy part about this is there are so many, so many like questions and caveats about this, right? Because 
once we start talking about the ideal situation, I, you know, balance in fighting games is a lot like when I, you know, every time I take an economics class, like when I've taken economics classes in high school or in college and, and you learn about economics and what do you, what do you learn about in economics? You learn about supply and demand, right? There's this kind of concept here where you have to find the sweet spot in the middle and basically the way that the market works, if you look at a supply and demand graph, a graph right, is that the, you know, uh, as the supply goes up and the demand drops or it's one way or the other, there's a beautiful middle point right there in, of which how much you need to make, what your price point is, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that's kind of how economy works in a perfect society because then what economics classes start to teach you is that well this is what the supply and demand curve how it works but here's like a bazillion reasons why this is just an ideal and that the real world doesn't work this way <laughs> and so all of a sudden they start giving you all these caveats and all these other things and heck we're even in an age right now where online ordering I feel like has kind of killed the concept of supply and demand that you know economics classes teach it i don't even think it's valid anymore anyways that's this is that's a minor little soapbox of me kind of uh talking smack about economics classes and how irrelevant they're becoming these days but the the, the point still stands in a perfect world, that is what we expect out of a fighting game. A balanced fighting game is one where any character has an equal chance to win regardless of who they're going up against. Every matchup is a 50-50 and it really comes down to the skill of the player. But in reality, like, that's impossible. <laughs> That's actually, oh, that's interesting. So Donka even in the chat says business grad student here, supply and demand are basically only relevant now for raw resources. Yeah, exactly, right? It's just, it's right at the beginning, but once you get past that, none of it applies anymore. And just like how uh, I really don't feel like kind of hoping for a balanced fighting game in which every character is in the same tier. So if we wrote a tier chart, a balanced fighting game is the entire cast is in A tier. That's a balanced fighting game, right? It doesn't even necessarily mean that every matchup is 50-50. It just means that, you know, in, in a given situation that every character, you know, has strengths and maybe has as many bad matchups against some characters as everybody else. And, you know, so it's not necessarily that every matchup is 50-50, but just that, you know, if you have a character that they have a good, as much of a chance as winning against a random set of opponents as everybody else. The thing about it is, this isn't realistic. Like, I don't think that exists. <laughs> I don't think we can actually make a fighting game like that unless it's Karate Champ or Street Fighter 1, where literally everybody is the same character, right? Like, I, I, I really, uh, well, it's interesting. Tier lists mean nothing and matchup charts are more accurate ways to depict tiers. And, you know, I mean, while you say that, Mike Lee, uh, I don't 100% agree with that because in situations, there's that whole concept of tournament viability, right? Let's just say there's one character out there that just absolutely massacres Ken, 
but if that character dies really badly to Luke, to Guile, to Cammy, to DJ, and to Blanca, and to Jury, even if that character, like, beat everybody else, that character is not tournament viable. So can you really count that character as being a strong character? Like, what if they beat all of the bottom half of the cast but lose the entire upper half of the cast, except for like, you know, it's just kind of a weird, right, like Honda, <laughs> Honda in ST, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, it is kind of depicted in the matchup chart, but the reason why it isn't just straight up matchup chart is because in a Street Fighter VI tournament, you are going to run into way more, no, I mean, way more uh, uh, Luke's, Ken's, Juries, Giles, Cammies, DJs, Blancas, uh, uh, Juries, if I've already said Jury. Uh, so that's the problem, right? So let's say you beat half the cast, but you don't beat the other. So if you have one character that slaughters the, the, the top tier characters and loses badly to the lower tier characters, and you have another character that slaughters the lower tier characters but dies to all the top tier characters, even if they have the same win rates, total, average, on the matchup chart, does that mean they're equal characters? Uh, not really, because they're not as tournament viable, because they can't beat the best characters, and that's a problem, right? So... It's hard to say, and, and this is the thing, I mean, talking about tier charts and, and matchup charts and balance charts and everything, it's all kind of part of the same discussion here. A lot of it's going to be subjective, and a lot of it really comes with grains of salt that you're going to have to look at it, but I don't think that we can actually see a fighting game as truly balanced as people want, uh, think that, that it can be, right? I mean, you talk to certain people and they're going to think the fighting game is balanced greatly because let's just use Street Fighter VI as an example because I think Street Fighter VI is one of the most balanced fighting games of like all time, especially for one at launch, right? So I think this game is extremely balanced. And there's a lot of people out there who say that uh, Street Fighter VI is horribly unbalanced. They're like, I don't see this at all. And it's not just necessarily because they play uh, Lily or they play Zangief or whatever like that. It's because you, they don't play Ken. <laughs> they don't play Ken. <laughs> and fighting against Ken, and you see it on my streams too, I get hella salty when I fight against Ken. Losing to Ken doesn't feel good because it just feels like Ken can do whatever he wants. And so the balance feels off, right? It just feels like this character can just maul you. And you're like, Jesus, like none of my characters are at this strength, etc., etc. I mean, there is that con concept of scrub killers. Ken is an excellent scrub killer. He just takes out a lot of people who haven't taken the time to study the matchup. You can also take out a lot of people who have studied the matchup. Ken is just a really, really uh, strong character. And so for a lot of people, the game, no, it doesn't feel balanced because Ken is too strong. Luke is too strong. Guile is too strong. Like, it just feels bad losing to some of these characters because it just 
just feels like they have everything and you don't have to be a lily player and just being like god this oh god this Ken is i mean you could actually be a chun li player or a rashid player two characters who are very very good in the game and you could still be salty and angry at what ken is capable of doing and so that's going to paint your perception of the balance of the game, right? So you're just like, this character is far too strong. Now, there is the common and you know counterpoint to this, the antithesis to this, which I've been guilty of many, 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 many times, is that you compare it to the older games, right? I mean, is Ken the best character in this game? Does he make me salty? Absolutely. Uh, is he super broken? Not even really close at all <laughs> right i mean that's the thing is that uh ken in terms of being the best character in the game still one of the weakest best characters of a capcom fighting game uh that we've ever seen right i mean when you think back in the old days you know we have cvs1 nakaruru is a really popular one street fighter 4 sagat and seth are two more popular ones. Any, you know, any of the main teams in MVC2, even MVC3, right? Like Virgil, obviously, Zero, obviously super strong characters compared to, say, like Felicia, right? So that's the whole thing is that um, in comparison to older games, Street Fighter Six is insanely balanced. So... Is it fair to say Street Fighter VI is unbalanced? However, do we want to hold games to those old standards? Because back then we had no patches. People really didn't care as much. The devs didn't really communicate with the fans at all. We're in a different era now. And holding, you know, holding Street Fighter VI to the standards that were created of those games a long time ago and comparing it to MVC2 balance also really isn't fair either right so from a objective standpoint it's really not fair so really the question comes down to what do we consider like how do we process what balance is in a fighting game in modern era honestly so um what is going on in the chat over here people are arguing about honda honda <laughs> What do we, what do we, what, what is going on with Honda over here in the chat? Um, well, uh, to answer the question that I postulated here, uh, how do we look at balance now? I mean, I think we just have to really look at the capability of the characters. Can they win? And, and it's not a question of can they win as easily as someone else? I think that's the hard part about balance right now. What we tend to do when we talk about balance is we tend to compare characters a lot. Fighting games these days, especially ones with really strong system mechanics, are a game, are, is a genre of have and have nots, right? If you look at KOF 15, uh, that's a big one right there, right? It's, 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 it's a game where the system mechanics are so strong that the characters that just have the ability to take advantage of the systems better than the other characters uh, are always going to be the haves. And then the have-nots are the characters with 
for example, in Street Fighter VI, no OD wake-ups, no way to, you know, beat throws and media attacks at the same time, right? So, you know, I talked about the balance last week and how, you know, the top characters all have an actual OD wake-up, whereas the characters right now, the characters that are lower than that do not have OD wake-ups, right? So it becomes a, a system of haves and have-nots. But what that does then is that it creates this comparison. So yeah, of course, is Ken the best character in Street Fighter VI? I mean, the birds, Angry Bird and Big Bird, argue that JP is the best character. Regardless, those two are definitely two of the most blessed characters in the game. And so, you know, of course, if you're going to look at your character, you're not Ken, you're not JP. And so the game doesn't feel balanced at all, right? If your character does not have that kind of wild power that those characters have, it doesn't actually feel like it's a balanced game. But like I said, I feel like that's falling into a trap of making these kind of comparisons. I think the best way, honestly, to look at balance is can your character win at all? Because we just had Snake Eyes win World Warrior West uh, for NA and Canada with Zangief, largely considered the worst or second worst character in the game at this point. And, you know, after he did that, everyone's like, oh, my God, maybe Zangief's not that bad. And then all these poor Zangief players went online and they all just kind of got beat up because <laughs> Zangief isn't that strong. But here's the thing, right? If you find a player who gels with the character, and again, I make the argument that Snake Eyes wouldn't be able to do this as easily with other characters, even a character like Ken or JP, because Snake Eyes' mind is just so in tune with grapplers and the concept of the fear of the command grab and how that affects a match, that if he plays a character without a command grab, it's not quite the same. Even when he played Kage in 5 and Evil Ryu in 4, he still played a very much like a grappler right so the real question is can the character win does the character have the capability to win matches and it's a funny question because you're gonna say well of course he has it dude there is legit characters in old fighting games that don't have the ability to win. I don't care if you find the most mind-melding character with that, you know, player with that character. They're just not going to win. <laughs> A lot of people are going to bring up, like, Co-op Cup, right? Oh, you see the Remy's doing damage. Yeah, in a 1v1 team tournament kind of thing, you know, it's different. You don't have the pressure of thinking that, you know, if you lose, you're out of the tournament. You're like, well, if I lose, I have friends who can, you know, make up for it. And so I can kind of uh, play a little bit more recklessly or, you know, in a 1v1 environment. Yeah, anybody's going to be able to uh, get get wins and, and, and lucky, <laughs> basically yeah exactly win with point roll in mvc2 right like or serve bot right obviously they're joke characters so they're not meant to win but still like that's literally what uh fighting games were like back in the day i mean there was literally characters that could not win so um when we look at something like street fighter 6 currently uh you know zangief obviously snake eyes won with uh zangief but also currently in number two on ranked in master rank is a player, Hibiki, who is a Lily player. <laughs> All right. In fact, he was number one, but Punk literally just passed him right now and is number one with Cammy. 
And now Hibiki is number two. So uh, Lily is capable of winning, right? Like literally is capable of winning. I mean, you are, I mean, you've listened to this, You've heard Brian F. talk about this before. You've heard a lot of people say that, you know, obviously if you had the ability, if they didn't region lock people as badly in ranked, but outside of that, like rank master, the master ranking is pretty, pretty accurate. It's pretty good. And so, you know, in the situation is Lily, like, can you say the game is balanced when there's Ken and then there's Lily, right? And again, like I said, doing the comparison thing, I think, is what's hurting it. A, a, a lot of people's perception of the balance. If you look at the game straight up and realize that, does Lily have the tools? Does Zangief have the tools to be able to win uh, tournaments or just perform really, really well? Again, you know, obviously they're not great characters. They're not, they could certainly use some buffs, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of people are going to credit it to the player as opposed to the character. But like I said, there's just so many instances where a character just wasn't good enough, right? In Street Fighter V in season one, remember, Sien really loved Fang. He really loved Fang and he tried to make Fang work. And it didn't work. <laughs> Sonic Fox tried to make Fong work. And it didn't work. Okay. So like literally they uh, had to, um, you know, uh, well, I mean, Sonic Fox just stopped playing Street Fighter V. But, you know, Sien had to switch to Ibuki because uh, it was just a, a very different situation. And what we've been seeing here in all these tournaments that we've been doing for CPT so far, Kaoma just got second place in Brazil with uh, Marisa. I'm sorry, with Manon. Uh, with Manon, uh, we've seen Oniki take a, Jap a Japan World Warrior with Kimberly. Uh, we've seen, like I said, Zangief win World Warrior with Zangief. Uh, Snake Eyes <laughs> win World Warrior <laughs> with Zangief. You know, we've been actually seeing a really interesting spread of characters. Uh, are there more Kens and JPs and Lukes and, 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 and you know, uh, Guiles and stuff than a lot of the other characters in the high ranks? Probably. But even then, I feel like we've been seeing a fairly different variety, honestly. So, um, I feel like... Um, we have to look at Street Fighter VI, and I think, like I said, as much as I say balance is a subjective thing, I think it's tainted by subjectivity. But I think in a, in a from an objective standpoint, from a 10,000-foot view, I think Street Fighter VI is one of the most balanced fighting games that we've ever seen. Even to the point that the first DLC character that came out is actually not too strong and not too good and not too weak. Some people think Rashid has the potential to be the best character in the game. Some people think Rashid isn't very good at all, you know? And it's, it's fascinating to see that, but that I think is a super well-balanced character. I really honestly think Street Fighter VI uh, is, wait, DJ was the last character to, w to win into Capcom Cup. Are there, wait, no, we're still, we don't, we haven't gotten every character in the Capcom Cup yet, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think so. 
Yeah, so KOF 15 is definitely very balanced right now uh, as well. You know, yes, there's the samurai tier, right? Like there's characters who aren't very good, but this latest balance patch did a fantastic job. But again, I think both games are suffering from that same kind of situation where, you know, especially KOF 15, because there are so many characters, you're not going to be able to control running into overlap, right? So just like how in Street Fighter V, did you play Kami or Karin? <laughs> who was stronger at the time? That's who you played because they kind of overlapped each other, right? And so you get kind of the same thing in KOF 15 sometimes with like Iori and Rock, for example. Like, do you really want to play one when you can play the other? Why play this character when you can play the better version of them? So uh, honestly, like both of these games kind of suffer from that situation. Why would you ever play Ryu as long as Ken is there, right? Like Ken is just clearly a better Ryu. Does that mean Ryu can't win? We had Ending Walker win a World Warrior, right? So with Ryu. <laughs> so uh, clearly, you know, uh, Ryu is capable of winning. He has the tools to win against the best players out there. So uh, my point being is that I do think Street Fighter VI is objectively a very balanced game. The reason why this topic even came up is that the birds came out with their tier list and their tier list goes from S plus to B. And remember when I made my tier list last week, I had Zangief and Lillian C and even I argued that I wanted to move them to B minus and kind of shift everybody upwards a little bit more because I wasn't even positive that Zangief and Lily are B minus, uh, were C. In fact, you know, obviously I thought Zangief was awful uh, having played him on day one. I just played him in ranked last night and I streamed it. And uh, <laughs> shockingly, I did really well with Zangief. Uh, do I still think he's uh, one of the weaker characters? Absolutely, but again, he has the capability of winning. I was actually winning with Zangief yesterday and actually kind of having fun. <laughs> I was actually kind of having a good time with the character. So, you know, like it's, 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 but again, from a realistic standpoint, I, I acknowledge the fact that he's not as good as Ken. Like when I played Ken, I was just like, oh my God, like mashing my face on a controller and winning. Uh, but again, the, the point is that Zangief has the capability of winning. And I think that's the important thing to recognize. So yes, I think Zangief is balanced. I mean, I think Street Fighter VI is balanced. And this kind of brings me to the next part that I kind of want to talk about here, which says, what should we expect from a balanced fighting game? And I said this on Twitter, but is our expectations for balance coming from the devs a little bit, are we unfair to the devs? <laughs> Look, I'm going to answer the question. Yes, we are completely unfair to the devs. Uh, do you know how hard it is to balance a fighting game? You know, uh, Olaf, my tenant, has always said, like, uh, one of his favorite quotes from Seth was, like, you change Guile's crouching medium kick and then Ibuki becomes the best character in the game, <laughs> right? Like, that's how fickle balance is. When not this duel-on patch, not the duel-on patch for KOF 15, but the patch previous to that came out. And, you know, they tried to nerf Cronin a little bit and stuff like that, but... I, you know, as a person who played Kyo, looked at Kyo's patch list, and Kyo actually got kind of nerfed, 
right? Kyo lost the uh, ability to make his light up kicks safe on block. And I was like, wow, that's kind of big. Like that was actually kind of a major nerf. But in that patch, Kyo went from being, despite being nerfed, he went from being high tier to top three in the game, right? And so like, you're like, wait, so how in the world did that happen? It's because they nerfed a lot of the other top tier in the game as well. Uh, balance is really, really uh, tricky. Yeah, so Necromancy Black brings up the story that uh, Keats likes to tell. And he told in the uh, KI documentary shot by the Besteban is that everyone in KI was uh, complaining about Jago's instinct fireball, that it was too strong. And Keats was telling the story. He was like, that's the symptom. That's what you see. But like, what's the actual cause of it? And what he had determined of that, well, the cause of it was actually uh, the wind kicks. And so he nerfed the wind kicks and then everyone stopped complaining about the Jago instinct, despite the fact that Jago's instinct didn't change, right? And that's the thing. Balance is really, really freaking hard. And this is where, you know, I am allowed to call the giant history of fighting games uh, for, you know, years and years. As a person who has played fighting games for so long and seeing, you know, patches and even prior to patches, you know, things like, for example, Blaze Blue, Calamity Trigger, where uh, uh, Arakune was super busted, and then they just basically deleted him in the next version of the game to balance him. Like, they just absolutely practically removed Arakune from the game. Um, balance is hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard to do. And so a lot of people, I mean, I still remember, you know, people telling me in Street Fighter 4, in vanilla Street Fighter 4, there were Kami players that were like, Kami is so bad, her Tiger Knee Cannon Strike should be an overhead. And you're like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, as a person who actually still thought Kami wasn't very good at the time, uh, and as a person who was playing Cammy and wants her to be good, I was like, you do realize if you make Tiger D Cannon Strike an overhead that she just instantly becomes the best character in the game, right? And people are like, oh, no, it wouldn't make her that good. And you're like, you're insane. <laughs> you're, you're legit insane. Like, people don't realize how fickle balance is. You change one small thing and, and uh, the balance of the entire game can be affected by that. Because remember, it's not just a matchup to matchup thing, right? So like uh, you can't balance a character, for example, uh, in a uh, famous game that was balanced uh, many years ago. You know, there was a weapon that one character had that was particularly strong in a certain matchup. And uh, the person balancing the game made the mistaken uh, assumption that they only use that button in one match. So they nerfed that attack 
to help balance that fight and didn't realize that it basically affected everything, right? Like it affected a bunch of matchups out there. It, every little tweak you do is, 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 um, cascades. Everything you do cascades throughout the entire game and the entire ecosystem changes. So like my debate that I was having with Mike Lee earlier in which matchup charts, I don't feel like necessarily really show the true story either because you have characters that are going to show up in tournaments far more often than other characters. You could have a situation where, um, you know, you uh, tweak one character so that they no longer were like, let's just say they beat a top tier character really badly or even a mid tier character really badly because everybody used them. And then you tweak something and then it cascades into all their other matchup and they're not as strong anymore. And now this character that was kind of gate kept by this other popular character who isn't as popular anymore now gets even stronger. Arcade Edition 2012 for Street Fighter 4. A lot of people considered Zangief uh, a really, really tournament viable character in AE, not AE 2012, the original Arcade Edition. The original Arcade Edition, people considered Zangief uh, a tournament viable character only because he beat Yun and Yang. Yun and Yang came out the gates in uh, Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition as clearly broken. <laughs> clearly broken. And Zangief was one of the only characters that could fight them. And so Zangief actually became viable. I think in the end, Zangief actually couldn't beat them. <laughs> but regardless, uh, at early on, he became a viable character despite the fact that he lost to a lot of other characters. You know, again, balance in a fighting game is all about an ecosystem, right? It, it is literally a, a biome, right? Like, you know, they, they've told the stories of, um, uh, I forgot what the reasoning was, but there was basically, I think it was in Australia at one point in time, in which there was an outbreak of locusts, like grasshoppers or whatever like that. Like there was literally just too many of them. And so what they did was uh, they found one of the locust natural predators, which was this toad, this frog, and they essentially imported the frog into Australia. And they basically had the frogs uh, help uh, take out the locusts, the grasshoppers, and really kind of helped balance out the ecosystem out there with those, uh, with those, um, grasshoppers. But then the problem was <laughs> there were no natural predators for the toads. <laughs> And so it actually became a situation where those toads started literally like flooding the entire country of Australia because they now started proliferating so much to the point where the stories were told that if you drove on the road, you just ran over these frogs like constantly. And in fact, there were stories like they interviewed some Australians and they were like, yeah, I actually aim for the frogs when I'm driving because there's so damn many of them and like it's super annoying. Yeah, and at night there's just this giant chorus of frogs and blah, 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 all that stuff like that. So, you know, um, 
and they're poisonous, so a lot of native animals die from eating them. Yeah, like Necromancy Black is saying here. That's just the kind of, I mean, fighting games aren't that far apart from that. They're not that different. And so if you're not careful with how you balance a fighting game, uh, it can get completely out of whack really, really fast. So again, what this brings me back to is that, you know, Street Fighter VI is really balanced, really, really balanced. And if, I mean, again, I, you know, I'm not saying that you're, 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 you're whining or you're not justified by, by saying, I don't think it's balanced at all. Ken is too strong. All I'm telling you is try to take a look at it from a little bit further down, right? I mean, further away. Take a look at it from a bigger, larger, more macro perspective, right? Again, Lily and Zangief aren't that strong. But Zangief won a world warrior in the west coast of the U.S. with a lot of strong players. And uh, Lily is the number two player uh, character on uh, ranked right now in Masters, uh, in the Master rank uh, on Street Fighter VI online. And uh, Lilies have won some world warrior events as well. So what you have to do is you have to look at it from a, a far point of view and realize that this ecosystem of the game is really, really strong. It also helps a lot of people point out that the system mechanics of Street Fighter VI are so strong, right? So that's kind of one of the things that makes KOF 15 as well very, uh, a little bit easier to balance is because the system mechanics are a little bit, are, are, are like, I don't want to say stronger than the characters, but they're very, very strong. Uh, so definitely in Street Fighter VI, drive rushes, drive impacts, uh, perfect parries, for example, they're all mechanics that since they can be utilized by any character, they definitely create a, a, an easier to balance ecosystem. But having said that, Street Fighter VI, I feel like, has done a wonderful job of having characters that fight very, very differently. We've talked about the Ken and Ryu situation. Unfortunately, in the highest level, but this is the highest level, so we it's it's not quite the same, but like Ken, Cammy, Jury, and Luke are crouch, medium, kick, drive rush the characters, but <laughs> that's why they're all there, right? And so you can't really say one of them outshines the other because I feel like all four of them have legitimate reasons to be played. But outside of that, like, you can't say, like, Marisa plays like Chun-Li, plays like Rashid, plays like Ken, plays like Guile, plays like DJ, plays like Dalsum. Like, they're all very different characters despite the system mechanics being so powerful. So, again, the fact that they were able to create a ton of characters with pretty unique playing styles and have the game be where it is right now, I really do think people are not giving the game enough credit for its balance. I really do think Street Fighter VI is a really balanced game. And uh, the whole point of this topic here is really that, you know, if you do feel like Street Fighter VI is horribly unbalanced, you know, really take a step back. Really take a look at it, right? Like Necromancy Black says, same thing with King of Fighters XV, although, you know, poor, poor <laughs> Darley Dagger and, and poor Chris, you know, <laughs> a lot of characters definitely still need some help out there. Uh, but again, it's still more balanced than it's ever been thanks to the Duelon patch. Like the Duelon patch has, I feel like, been universally praised 
by all KOF players. Like, it didn't throw any, like, it didn't create any characters that just took over Cronin and Bijanae's place. And it didn't create any characters that were as bad as, like, like, the bad characters all got better. <laughs> they did get better. They could probably get a little bit even more better. Uh, but again, it's probably in the most balanced state that it's been in forever. And so, you know, it, it's easy, like I said, to fight a Ken and just be like, this character's dumb, like I do all the time. <laughs> I always complain about Ken. Uh, but again, like from a macro point of view, when I let my salt stops, uh, when my salt stops uh, taking, taking a firm grip over my brain, I recognize the fact that it's pretty balanced. <laughs> Wait till KOF 13 rollback drops. Then you'll see what unbalanced KOF looks like. Yeah, yes, yes. Everybody's going to have some fun with, uh, what is it? it? was Mr. Karate, right? Mr. Karate, Iori, uh, I think were like the two of the best characters in that game. Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, we are in an age where the games are actually very, very well balanced. Even a game like Soul Calibur VI, even games like Tekken 7, I've heard are you know re in a really, really nice balanced state. And yeah, the characters are gonna be weaker, but I don't think we can expect anything else. Like if we're actually trying to expect a fighting game where everybody is like A tier or at worst A minus, like, I just don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's realistic. Like at worst, A minus, at best, A plus. Like if you think you can create a fighting game where everybody is between A plus, A and A minus, I just don't think that that's gonna ever happen in a fighting game because like I said, if you try to buff a lower tier character that may accidentally skew one matchup and throw somebody else to A minus, or it might accidentally make another character A plus because an A plus character who loses to the A minus character that you buffed now has more trouble winning legitimately in tournament environments and, and such, you know, I don't think it's possible. And so the fact that, you know, the birds have raided so that Zangief and Lily are at worst B. And, you know, in my tier list, I probably would redo it now so that Zangief and Lily were B minus at worst. I mean, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous state of fighting games. I mean, I, I again, it's the new game. It's easy to see me as being biased, et cetera, et cetera. But I really honestly feel like this is one of the most balanced Street Fighters of all time, especially for a game that's three months old with one DLC so far and another DLC coming tomorrow. Aki is coming tomorrow. I am going to play a lot of Aki. Actually, Aki is going to be coming at midnight. I'll be commentating uh, ICFC, so I won't be able to play with her right away. But Aki is coming later on tonight, and I cannot wait to get my hands on that character. So... <laughs> But yeah, exactly. Like the only way to truly balance it is to make everybody else can. It's just really the way it works. So, uh, but at this point in time, I do feel like I'm kind of repeating myself here. So uh, I apologize to people listening to this. Uh, but I, the, the main thing is that I think, 
you know, for those people who look at Street Fighter VI and really, really believe the game is very unbalanced, like this is just what, oh my God, this is not balanced at all. Like really need to take a step back and look at it. Is Ken really strong? Yes. Is Lily and Zangief, you know, a little bit weaker than they need to be? Yes, absolutely. But I don't know if we can get the game to the, to the proper point that everybody is balanced. This is the closest we've gotten. And honestly, the way Street Fighter VI is playing out, like if any game was ever going to achieve that, it might be Street Fighter VI right now because it's uh, shocking how close it is right now already that in my opinion, the tiers literally go from S to B with only two characters in B and only one character in S, right? That's how I see it. I really do see everybody else kind of in this in-between. So we're in a very, very close position here. So uh, it's kind of what I wanted just to address here, talk about how balance works in fighting games and uh, you know, just kind of go over this idea that true balance is a pipe dream and that you know, if we have a game that's in this state that we have for Street Fighter VI, we have to appreciate how balanced the game is and the, the kind of ecosystem that the game has right now where yes every character legit has a chance of winning and again you know people are going to say you know snake eyes with zangief like you know oh uh, he's lucky he didn't run into like this other jp player or he didn't run into knuckle do guile or something like that you know but it's like you look at habiki at number two in ranked on Street Fighter 6 and that's not he avoided matchups like this guy's literally playing all the time and he's gotten Lily to number two in the ring like that's there, there's no fluke there's no excuse except oh he lives in you know BFE and he plays the same one human over and over again I mean it's easy to go check to see his matchup records to see what it is but I doubt that's the case uh, at all so so that's all I want to say. That's how I want to conclude this. Uh, anybody else have any thoughts on balance or any questions about this? Uh, if not, then I'll go ahead and call this segment done. But we're going to go move to a Q&A session over here where basically I'm just going to answer questions in the chat and talk about that. So uh, please, guys, uh, here on Twitch, stick around if you are on YouTube. Uh, just look for this uh, Q&A session. I might divide it into one or two videos. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, look for that on YouTube tomorrow uh, after this video drops here. Uh, but thank you for continuing to support the content and stuff. Leave some comments below so I can buy Jasmine and Nathan, my cats, all the best things in the world uh, for kitty cats. And then also for supporting me as well financially because it has been a rough year for me. So all subs and donations and stuff like that are very much appreciated. And also all, please turn off ad blockers if you're watching my videos because the YouTube ads do help as well. So, and actually, you know, that, that's actually a really good point. So before I end this, I want to address what Forrest said in the chat and that balance isn't always as important as made out to be. Fun is number one. And there is a lot of truth to that too, because as much as unbalanced like i think super turbo third strike and mvc2 are three of the most unbalanced fighting games of all time but god they are still three of the most fun fighting games there's a reason why those games have lasted 
in the hearts of fighting game players as long as they have is because they're just fun. There's just something about them that clicks with the players that play them and they still have such loyal bases, you know? I mean, people bringing up, uh, bringing back Sailor Moon as a, you know, a Super Nintendo Sailor Moon as a side tournament uh, out there, you know, uh, and that game is horribly unbalanced, but you know, as long as people find it fun, you know, sometimes balance isn't the most important thing. Now, obviously, we're in a different era where we are in esports and, you know, a million dollars is on the line. So balance is definitely very, very important. Hujkuls <laughs> actually says, what if people find balance fun? Well, yeah, then you're going to want to have a balanced fighting game because then you can play every character and have fun. So uh, a lot of well-balanced games, even viewed as boring, just look how people like myself include view MK11 and it's objectively most balanced NRS release. Interesting. I don't know enough about the uh, what people feel about the NRS scene, but I mean, if a lot of people do, you know, f consider that game a little bit more boring, even though it's you know the most balanced. Yeah, there is that, right? Because people like to do dirty stuff in fighting games. They like to be jerks in fighting games. If you make it in a fighting game so that everybody's balanced because you take away everybody's jerkery, that's just not a fun fighting game. It's nobody wants to play it, right? So some people pick Dan just because they like an uphill battle. I've been a low-tier hero my whole life. I liked playing low-tier characters because I liked I liked basically being Anigo Montoya and fighting, you know, left-handed. Because, I, you know, at my local arcades and stuff, I used to just beat up everybody. So I would just play the lowest tier character so I could, you know, beat them up with bad characters and just kind of like rub it in that I was better than they were, <laughs> essentially. So, um, and of course, you always have the excuse if you lose, you're like, well, my character sucks. So I'm not even supposed to win anyhow, you know. <laughs> So uh, it was a, it's a, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of psychological advantages to playing low-tier characters, uh, honestly. But yeah, uh, balance is hard. And what we are accomplishing with fighting games today, even like, you know, we've brought up KOF 15. We've brought up uh, uh, MK11. I've brought up Tekken 7. Uh, look, the balance is great. Honestly, like the balance is really, really strong in fighting games right now in all fighting games, not just Street Fighter 6. I do think Street Fighter 6 is the premier example of it right now. But I, I also think that we're also just super good at it these days. We're a lot better at balance. Uh, we're doing a better job. They have a lot more data they can collect by seeing what moves are abused and, you know, what things are, you know, what characters are being used online the most, et cetera, et cetera. So they have a lot of, got, a lot of good information that we don't have as fans uh, to help them balance the games a little bit better as well. But uh, please, you know, just... We should stop sitting there and crying everything as being unbalanced. <laughs> Could be a lot worse. Trust me. I know I was there. Uh, but like I said, it's not fair to hold things to the past standards. But at the same time, <laughs> it could be a lot worse. I know I was there. In any case, thank you guys for watching here. Uh, watching it was Tuesday. Like I said, Twitch people, stick around so you can ask me all the questions. But for everyone on YouTube, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday, 
Gundam Jehudi Kai asks, over the weekend, Seiji, uh, I mean, Jiyuno posted a tweet showing how the CR Cup in Japan was doing numbers in terms of views for a fighting game tournament and bringing in non-fighting game players to compete and succeeding in making them keep going after. Yeah, so there was, he also put out the tweet that showed, I think it was Majin Obama or Giuna put out the tweet that showed that Street Fighter VI was the number one selling game on Steam in Japan after the CR Cup. Um, Punk tried to shoot him down, but how do you feel about the JPFG scene has expended its viewership with VTubers, etc., etc.? Uh, or do you mean expanded its viewership with VTubers, etc., etc.? So, uh, oh yeah, I need to do world tour mode. I still, ha I haven't played world tour since the last time I streamed. Uh, but in any case, to the question a little bit more here. So, you know, it's interesting because punk, uh, I've often said that I am very similar to punk. It's just that if I was 20 years old, I'd be tweeting a lot of the same things that he's tweeting right now. It's just that I'm way older now, so I, I get things a little bit more. I understand where Punk was coming from, first of all, on all of his tweets. But uh, he kind of went down a path he shouldn't have. But it's because, you know, uh, Giuna and Majin Obama's tweets... While not directly directed at Punk, they were in response to what Punk was saying, but they were trying to bring up points not saying that Punk was wrong or anything like that. But Punk took it personally and took it down a direction that I don't think it should have gone. And so the conversation just went in a weird direction. Uh, but to Giuna's point, um, I think... Um, I think it's a tough one because... Here's the thing, right? So Japan has a lot of advantages, okay? A lot of advantages. And one of those advantages is always going to be size of country, right? This is something that we, ha we haven't seen a lot of people talking about. But you do the CR Cup thing and then you get everybody to come to one event or everybody's going to Tokyo Game Show anyway, etc., etc. You know, you can actually afford to get everybody into one location in Japan a lot easier than you can in the United States. And so, like, for the VTubers, even though they were there they would use cardboard stands so you couldn't actually see the, the person themselves uh, a lot of times. I didn't watch a lot of the CR Cup. I'm not exactly sure what the details of it were, but also I just feel like Japan and Asia in general has more of this kind of, like this kind of internet viewing kind of mindset than the US does, right? Recently, we were at a school and talking to people about, to them, about trying to open up an esports program in their school. And uh, this is more towards like the Inland Empire. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, a lot more people of color out in that area, a lot less, you know, uh, you know, it's the, 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 the uh, level of economy out there wasn't as strong. And what was interesting was that they talked about trying to start an esports program, but they were having trouble convincing the kids to play in it. Which, as us who sit here and watch Twitch streams and play video games all day, are like, what? 
God, if I had an esports program in my school, God, I would have actually been able to make friends and hang out and da da da. But like this school was literally having trouble getting people to to join this esports program. And so, you know, that's just the thing, right? If you watch Asian television, Asian television is already very much like Asian television has been Twitch before Twitch. Like for those of you who are Asian and have watched your parents do stuff like like their variety shows was already a bunch of people sitting on a stage and just talking and there's like text everywhere on the screen scrolling everywhere and it's just an audience and they laugh and people are just talking and they're doing weird contests and they're having weird conversations they do weird skits and things like that like asian television has been this for so long right this is not american television <laughs> this is not what the average american is interested in in fact when tetris when street fighter ends up on espn we still get so many people who are like what the hell is a video game doing on my team my sports channel Rawr! you know and you get a lot of those haters out there etc etc right so Asia is just a lot more set up for this kind of situation, right? America loves their job. America, okay, John, I'm just going to say it. America is a military country, right? In order to encourage getting people into the military. What is it? It's toxic masculinity, being strong, emotionless, shaving all your hair so that when Sam Worthington plays Perseus, in Clash of the Titans, they shaved his head in Clash of the Titans when he played Perseus from a Greek story where the Greeks are all about having beautiful hair, about having the most beautiful hair in the world. Perseus had a shaved head to be an action hero. What? Like, this is the thing, right? This is the way that America is created. And so we aren't created in a way where we could do a VTuber big thing like that, run it on Twitch and everybody will watch it. Because there are still a lot of people out there who will sit here and tell you, be like, hey, you know, like video games are for those kids in the grandma's basement. Like that hasn't been true for like 10,000 years, right? We have freaking Thea Trinidad in Street Fighter VI, AKA Zelina Vega, and she's streaming on her own uh, Twitch channel all the time. And I just recently saw her pile drive someone from the top of a ladder onto another ladder. <laughs> You know, and like she's about as much of a jock as you can possibly ask for. And she's streaming and playing video games all the time, right? The grandma's basement thing hasn't been true forever, but it's still there. That reputation is still there. And so, you know, while I get where Giuna and Majin Obama are coming from, you know, perhaps it's because they haven't been in the States in such a long time that they don't realize it doesn't have the same pull, right? It just doesn't have the same pull. When League of Legends tells you that more people watch the uh, LCS than people watch the Super Bowl, 99% of those people were from China. 
And most of them were probably bot farmers. You know, like honestly, in the U.S., like relatively speaking, the amount of people who watch the LCS is still extremely small, <laughs> is extremely small. <laughs> Okay, no matter what they try to tell you. And so, yes, in the U.S., it's still largely a culture thing, right? Twitch is, it's, it's still a niche, right? We are not at a point right now where if you go, like, I talk about people, video games and esports to people. People have heard of the term esports now. That's where we've gotten. We've gotten to a point right now where I can just be like, have you heard of esports? Oh yeah, I read something in the LA Times about it. Like that's what we that's where we've gotten. That's where the US is right now. That is the general population where I I've heard of esports, you know, but if I say like, oh yeah, so if you go to twitch.tv, blah blah blah, they're like, what the hell is Twitch? They don't know what Twitch is in the United States, dude. 90% of the people in the United States don't know what Twitch is, all right? Like, I just, like, that is the goddamn truth, okay? And in Japan, you know, maybe 50% of the people there don't know what Twitch is. It's still going to be a large portion of the population, but it's still that much more accepted. And like I said, their cultural form of entertainment already is going down that path. And they already have a culture where people play more video games than we do here in the United States. Right? So that's the, that's the thing. We are living in very different environments. So if we did a big CR cup kind of thing, one, who's gonna pay for it? And two, who's actually gonna watch it? We aren't gonna get the 30,000 viewers necessarily that Japan got, right? We might get a decent amount of viewers, but the thing about it is who is gonna pay for it? Because in America, it's all about making money, right? And I talk about this all the time when it comes to tournaments and stuff like that. Everyone's like, a company should do this because they should just pay for it and there's all this money. They could pay the money and they'll get all these views. No, they're not. And if they, even if they were, why would they dump all this money to run something like the CR Cup in the U.S.? When they instead can create an advertisement and play it during NBA games you know, or, or put a commercial during NCIS, right? As much as we all like to sit here, our culture, our audience, our friends, all of us are the ones that have detached ourselves from cable and we just do streaming, you know, uh, streaming services, that kind of stuff like that. But you're going to tell me that 90% of the country still doesn't watch Jimmy fucking Fallon on late night, on, 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 you know, at late at night on TV, when Jimmy Fallon is like literally the fucking goddamn worst host in the entire planet and he's more popular than like anything else out there? Like, seriously? This is the country you're saying is gonna go and watch a bunch of VTubers play Street Fighter on Twitch? This is the country that you're saying a company should go and spend all this money to run video game stuff and VTubers to go and watch video games. People play Street Fighter 6 on Twitch. <laughs> Our country watches fucking Jimmy Fallon, okay? I f hate him so much. 
he ruins every skit that he's in. Oh, don't get me started on Jimmy Fallon. Any case, <clears throat> so that's the point. Like the fact that our country did not make Conan O'Brien a success, a success is one of the biggest crimes of our country in the entire planet, dude. The fact that we did not embrace Conan O'Brien, who is like the absolute fucking funniest and most genuine interviewer on the planet is a crime to humanity, dude. A crime to humanity. Literally Google Conan O'Brien's interview with Emma Watson when she was still doing Harry Potter. Go and YouTube that video, like seriously. And even write down on that video, James Chen sent you, okay? Because like literally, if you go and watch that video, watch Emma Watson's body language the entire time. When she first comes out there, she's super nervous and she's like, I'm on this talk show and whatever. And listen to Conan O'Brien's interview. He's self-deprecating. He keeps making jokes. He keeps doing things. He keeps propping her up. And as you watch the video, Emma Watson's like body language changes. She starts leaning forward and then she starts getting more comfortable and then she starts laughing and all this stuff like this. Like, and it, she didn't realize it, but it was just a testament to how strong of an interviewer Conan O'Brien was that he was able to kind of read that kind of nervousness, nervousness from her and really just turn it around. He's such a good interviewer and he's freaking hilarious. If you haven't seen any of the Jordan Schlansky clips, just look up all the Jordan Jordan Schlansky clips, dude, because that shit is hilarious, dude. When he does the Uber driving uh, with uh, Ice-T and Kevin Hart, and then they did the driver's testing. Like, I go to those two videos, like, every once in a while, every, every time, just because it just fucking makes me laugh, dude. The Paul Rudd shit is hilarious, too, so... Any case, yeah, no, no, the, 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 the driver's license one is hilarious, dude. Oh my God. I watch that one in the Uber clips like constantly, dude, constantly. So, uh, dude, the Texas Walker Ranger lever that he had. Anyways, I'm getting completely off topic here. But my point being is that I, 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 I appreciate what Giuna and Majin Obama are saying are correct is that we aren't doing enough. We aren't innovating enough. Uh, we can't innovate the way that they want us to innovate. So in case uh, Giuna and Majin Obama get this far, uh, if they've even watched my content at all, which I'm sure they won't, uh, but if they even get this far at all, my point is not that they're wrong. My point is that, uh, you know, looking at what the CR Cup does, their point is also largely that we need to try different things. And so while doing a VTuber kind of thing like that might not be the answer for us, there might be some other way to do it. The problem is we aren't trying hard enough, but at the same time, the reason that we aren't trying hard enough is because we can't try hard enough because we can't get the money and uh, that's one of the hardest things uh, about it right now is that it's really hard to convince companies to try to support something video games. 
in Japan, it's a lot easier, especially because Street Fighter VI was made in Japan, right? It's a Japanese game. It's a Japanese cultural phenomenon in a country that people play video games and they already love watching all these Asian variety shows and stuff like that. Like, it's 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 the the, the country is kind of geared towards that thing. Like, the, the reason why, and I hate it because it's not my culture. But the reason why things like Overwatch League and all these other sports, esports organizations tried to copy uh, sports with home teams and cities, like here's the Dallas, bleh, here's the Golden State, bleh, like, and because they're trying to make it appeal to the non-video game audience. Unfortunately, what that ended up doing is made it appeal to literally no audience. <laughs> And so what happened? <laughs> Overwatch League is dead. <laughs> there is no more Overwatch League, right? So um, what FGC does tournament-wise for the FGC, weekly tournaments and crowdfunding is way above other competitive games where people don't even get a chance to play against top players weekly. Yeah, um, it's... I don't... Again, like, I wish I knew the answer. If I knew the answer, I would have already gone to either Rick the Huddo or Chris Seglia and be like, dude, yo, I have come up with the best idea. This is what we need to do to be able to get more eyes on Street Fighter. But at the same time, I will say this. Nobody is better at that shit than I am. <laughs> All right. I don't brag a lot. I don't brag a lot. But I'm going to say nobody appeals to the casual audience better than I do. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, I mean, like a lot of the Evo clips, the emotion, the, 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 the kind of things that I've, you know, done on Evo commentary before. I feel like I specifically target non-fighting game players when I do Evo Top 8 commentary. And then there's a, uh, the most viral Tetris clip where Joseph actually defeated Jonas. A lot of people have told me that one of the reasons that clip is so good is because of my commentary on there. Because I am so good at bringing out the tension of the moment and building the story in quick words. And I was able to get people who don't watch Tetris a lot to understand the stakes of what was going on when someone wins and beats a, ch a champion. I have to make sure to say that when the person is doing a chase down, you know, when Jonas is, when Jonas was do, when Joseph was doing his final chase down, I was like, this is more piece, 7,000. Oh my God, the drought, 70 pieces, 80 pieces. There it is, there it is. Like, you know, like you paint the scenario really, really well and nobody does this better than I do. And so that is what my goal is whenever I do commentary for things like Evo is to bring in the casual audience, you know? So uh, like, for example, uh, you know, for Street Fighter VI at Evo this year, I don't feel like enough was spoken about Mena RD being a broke kid from the Dominican Republic who's literally moved his parents to the United States and built a esports facility for his team and created his own esports team and flew people out to events and he's like literally a celebrity who's recognized on the freeways on the roads by random travelers you know like 
I don't think enough was talked about that. And that, that's the kind of thing that will bring people in. So that's what my goal is. And that's what the kind of things that we have to think about. We have to figure out how to get people invested. I often look at the World Series of Poker as one of my main things. Obviously, Moneymaker winning the World Series of Poker was one of the biggest catalysts for getting casuals because a, an amateur beat a pro heads up in the very finals uh, when Chris Moneymaker beat Sam Farha. But then when ESPN started playing it, two things changed the way they broadcast esports. And I mean, they, they broadcast poker. One was the whole cam so that now we know exactly, you know, what the people are bluffing or playing with. But also they started highlighting the personalities and they started telling these stories. In fact, Daniel Negreanu has even talked about this uh, himself is that the TV often loves to show it whenever he's right about a hand. When he's like, "You have Jack Seven, don't you? You have Jack. Yeah, you you got lucky on the river. You 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 sucked out on the seven. I had you up until the river. And because we have the whole cam, you see the guy has the Jack Seven, and the guy's just like." Fuck, how did he know? And they show that with all the time with Daniel Negreanu over and over and over again. And Daniel Negreanu is like, dude, that's just TV. He's like, I spend so much of my time guessing and I'm wrong. Like the majority of the time. But they'll always show the ones that I'm right. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like Stanley Cup Graham saying that Daniel Negreanu was an asshole. They painted him out like that. He's one of the nicest people ever. You know, they painted Phil Ivey as that like super stoic, like the best. Phil Helmuth is the evil guy. And like they did such a good job, like focusing on the personalities. And that's what made poker get popular during that poker boom at that time. You know, uh, it's really about the stories. And, and I mean, again, I always use Dragon Ball Fighters as this, the example. After Dragon Ball Fighters came out, I really didn't watch it. I didn't really enjoy the game all that much. But goddamn, did I watch every single time Sonic Fox and Goichi went up against each other. And I bet all of you guys did too. I bet you did too. <laughs> because you know what? In the end, it doesn't matter what game they're playing. <laughs> What matters is the people that are playing. It's the players, right? I've talked about this before as well. Whenever I've done the DVD trailers, as I did the Evo DVD trailers, they got more and more player focused and less and less game focused because it was always about the players to me. It's always about the players to me. And so that's what we have to do. In order to get an event where we can get more people to care, we have to get, give people the reason to care. The hardest part is that, yes, going back to the culture thing, our country is not in a position where we can be like, video games, please care. We're just not at that point yet. It's really, really hard. And so we're not at that point yet where, yes, we do need to innovate. Jiyuna and Majin Obama are right, okay? Make sure that you understand that what I am saying here, Juna and Majin Obama are 100% correct. We need to innovate better. But the problem is our country is not in a position where I think they're ready to accept that yet. And again, keep in mind, Juna and Majin Obama aren't asking for like, you know, a, a million viewers. They just want 30,000 viewers like we got for the CR Cup. And we might be ready for that. We might be able to do something like that. But... 
we haven't come up with the idea yet. Uh, CR Cup, VTubers, that's not the answer. There's a different answer out there that we haven't thought of yet to intersect the normal audience with, for example, uh, the video game crowd, right? Right now in America, they're two very separated cultures. It's bleeding together. More people are playing video games and stuff like that. But like I said, 90% of the country still has no idea what a Twitch is, right? Like they just have no idea. And so that's just the reality that we have to accept in our country, uh, honestly. So um, that's the difficulty of it. That's really the difficulty of it. Um, uh, so the Waka Sonic Fox thing was actually kind of interesting, Stanley Cup Gramps, because, uh, uh, you know, we, they were talking about the NFTs and all that stuff like that. Uh, King Hippo wrote the article. But the guys that he was accusing of, like, being, uh, like, shady actually contacted him and were like, we want to do an interview. Ask us any question. We want to show you that we're legit, like that, you know, we're not just grifters trying to make money with NFTs and stuff. So they actually came out and actually like answered questions or like, yeah, we did stuff and blah, 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 all these things like that. And it, it actually helped a lot. It actually, you know, you got to see a little bit more of their intentions. They seemed very uh, genuine about it and stuff. So, you know, shout outs to those guys who were, who did put up that Waka event, that Waka Flocka event. And it actually turned out pretty fun too. So, uh, which is actually really cool. Um, yeah, everybody knows Fortnite because their kids are all talking about Fortnite. But honestly, what's the most popular thing out of Fortnite right now is the dances, right? Let's let's face it. Like, <laughs> you talk to any parents, you're like Fortnite, and they're like, oh yeah, and they start flossing or whatever like that, right? Like that's 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 like the main thing for Fortnite. <laughs> I feel like uh, <clears throat> Ellen talked about it on daytime TV. Yeah, but how did they approach it? How did they approach it? Yo, there's this thing that's like really popular with the kids these days. It's called Fortnite. They're like doing this thing and like, oh, weird. Yeah, there's like dances involved and, you know, you can do all this stuff. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, it's not like, hey, Fortnite, one of the millions of video games out there is really popular right now. It's one of the versions of the, you know, first third person shooter genre. The thing that makes it different is that you have buildings and constructions and all this stuff like that. But it's gotten really popular. You know, as a video, like they're not talking about it as like a video game in the world of video games. They're talking about it like, whoa, look what the kids are doing. <laughs> right. Like that's kind of the attitude that we still have a lot in uh, in the U.S., I think. So, uh, yeah, American media tends to go look at this weird thing that people are doing rather than take a more neutral or supportive stance. Exactly. They don't care about the game. They only cared because it's popular. Exactly. And that's just what it is. It's the thing to talk about. And all the other parents are like, God, my kids talk about Fortnite or my, 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 my kids keep my, 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 the other parents that I'm friends with, how come they know about Fortnite? I don't know what Fortnite is. So Ellen's like, we're going to talk about Fortnite. And they'll be like, oh God, now I can see what this is about, right? It's not like, hey, Fortnite is really good. And any of the parents are going to go like, whatever, PUBG, man. Like, you know, like that's not happening. It's still that super foreign thing, you know, like, that's kind of the way uh, it's going. <laughs> we should tell Ellen about Street Fighter 6. No, <laughs> no, we should not. 
Uh, but like, you know, that's the, the thing is that they still treat video games as a foreign concept. Video games is still the other thing. It's the thing your kids do, etc., etc. Which is why I always talk about Street Fighter 2 the way I do. Right? I always say Street Fighter 2 was the biggest video game outside of Pac-Man. Like, without question, Street Fighter 2 was the biggest video game since Pac-Man. And since then, there hasn't been a video game like Street Fighter 2. And everybody's like, you're an idiot, James. Look at League of Legends. What about Mario? What about Zelda? Blah, blah, blah. The thing about Street Fighter 2 and Pac-Man... The reason why I put them in their own exclusive categories is because they were never viewed as a kid's hobby. Adults, teenagers, young adults, old, my dad played Pac-Man, okay? Everybody played Pac-Man. Everybody who didn't know anything about video games knows what Street Fighter is. Like they had heard about Street Fighter. Street Fighter was marketed towards teens, towards college students, for older generation. They were not marketed for kids. And that's what made Pac-Man and Street Fighter different. Pac-Man was played more by women than it was played by men. Like, the whole idea that women don't play video games was disproven a long time ago. It's just that the, uh, the buying power was always with males, and so eventually they, video games just went down the path that they marketed towards men because they're the target audience with money. But women were it with video games at first as well, too. More women played Pac-Man Pac than men did. At least it was like 50-50 down the middle. Like couples would go play Pac-Man together. And uh, that eventually went away. Uh, Tetris, uh, Tetris, yeah, might be another one that's right up there. But Tetris is weird because, like, the thing that makes Tetris weird is that Tetris isn't even a game anymore. It's just, like, an existence. <laughs> because, like, if you talk about Tetris, like, I play Tetris. What the hell version of Tetris are you even talking about? Are you talking about Tengen's Tetris? The original arcade Tetris? Are you talking about the one that's on your Mac, on the Game Boy, on the NES? Are you talking about Tetris Effect? Are you talking about Puyo Puyo Tetris? Are you talking about, you know, like, it's just, it's... Like, original Game Boy Tetris is probably the main one. It's probably the most, quote, official... Tetris, if you had to pick one to really have been the game that everybody played, that was probably the one that was the most popular at the time. But honestly, like, that's the weird thing about Tetris is that Tetris is more of this weird entity than it is an actual game. <laughs> so it's a weird situation. So I don't know if I count it because Tetris was never like Tetris came out and then there was just Tetris everywhere. No, Tetris has just been a constant since Tetris's upset, you know, release. Since it came out, it's just been a constant. It's been a thing. 
So, I mean, I know we've delved way far off the Q&A and I've just been talking about only this and nobody's talking about any other, nobody's asking any other questions because this topic is so fascinating. But yeah, I mean, that's just really, really, I think what it really kind of comes down to right now is that I don't think our country is still ready for what we could do. So even if we do innovate, which like I said, again, Juna and Imagine Obama are absolutely right. We need to innovate better and stop just keeping on doing the same thing that we're doing over and over again. But until we catch lightning in a bottle and something just happens to just somehow go viral like that Jonas versus Joseph Tetris video. I mean, look, I let me show you guys, man, like. I don't think you guys realize, like when I say that that video has gone viral, let me show you, let me show you, dude. Let me show you exactly what I mean by just how viral this thing went. <clears throat> Jay, this I'm bringing up the YouTube video, okay? I'm bringing up the YouTube video here just to show you guys. So we're watching this video here. Trying out symptoms, keep oh God, freaking ads all day. All right, let's get this ad here. Here's the video. And Joseph has some clean digging to do. He transitions a little awkwardly, but I don't think it's something he can't handle. Well, he does have an unfortunate situation right here. He should be able to clean out, especially yeah. with that O there piece. It goes. But nice. what I want to show you in particular is not the video, but I want to show you, uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, here. Four years ago, if you guys can't see what this text says, it says 19 million views. It says 19 million views. More people have watched me commentate Tetris than all of fighting games combined. <laughs> More people have watched me in one video commentate Tetris than all of video games combined, than all of fighting games combined, right? We need to have a lightning in a bottle situation like that. And that's the tricky thing uh, that we haven't been able to figure out yet. We haven't figured that out yet. But the thing about it is, it's not going to be like an idea. We're like, oh my God, this is what we do. We have to keep trying a bunch of different stuff. And maybe one thing is just going to catch on for absolutely no reason. Because something stupid like the Daigo Perry will happen. Right? It could absolutely just turn out that way. And I can't read the chat because both of my cats are blocking the screen right now. So, um uh tetris effect because tetris effect the reason why tetris effect is not the uh community standard standing cup grabs is because it's too easy and <laughs> sounds weird to say that but if like let's just say uh tetris ds like i will never die in tetris ds if i play if i played our uh the the normal marathon mode on tetris ds i will Never die. I can play forever on Tetris DS. 
Modern Tetris is not as difficult as NES Tetris. That's why it hasn't caught on. NES Tetris is so ridiculously difficult that it, it, it allows for this level. And in fact, the, the, the crazy, uh, the, the crazy uh, shoot, white rolling technique has actually started turning NES Tetris into being too not hard enough. And so they've actually had to institute a new rule now to combat that. They've actually had to uh, combat that at this point. So, uh, uh, I mean, I guess you could do the versus stuff with like the drop 100 lines on opponent. But the problem with that too is then also that modern Tetris stops becoming Tetris. And that's another problem too, is that one of the reasons why NES Tetris is so popular because it's still being played the same way that you play Tetris, right? You're playing Tetris and when you watch those guys play NES Tetris, they're still playing the Tetris that you're playing. The problem with modern Tetris these days is because of four wide and DT cannons and all these uh, like perfect clear setups and all these other things. Like it's just gotten to a point where the game looks foreign to a lot of people. Uh, oh, thank you, Nick. Uh, says, just want to say I appreciate your knowledge, your passion, the joyful spirit you bring. Keep being you. Appreciate that, uh, Nick. Uh, very, very, very much. And Mr. Maestro as well. So, you know, that's the thing is that NES Tetris is still the Tetris you guys are playing and you watch it and it's fast and you're like, how are they this fast? How are they this good? But then you start watching something where you, you see someone set up a four wide uh, at the start of the game and you're like, what is this? This isn't Tetris anymore. And it's, it becomes foreign and it becomes less interesting, uh, to be honest. And I think that's, that's kind of the... Uh, the mess, the, the main thing, the main thing. Uh, what questions you ask, Forrest? I, I didn't see your question. Can you type the question back in? Make sure you at Jay Chenzor uh, in the chat. But uh, I don't know if our country is ready for anything. I don't know if we can make Street Fighter that big just yet. I think we have a potential. Street Fighter 6 is popular and very casual friendly enough that I think that Street Fighter VI is one of the best opportunities we've had in a long time to be able to do something. But again, I don't know what the answer is. Otherwise, I would have already pitched it to Chris Seglia or the Hado or somebody. Uh, but I don't think, like, our answer is not going to be a VTuber thing, right? It's not going to be a CR Cup type of thing. So, uh, Forrest says, uh, do you think we'll see a collection of games with SF the movie, SFEX, and SF2 Turbo spinoffs like Remix? Uh, only if they can get the rights for it, but it might not be worth it to try to get the rights for it, to be honest with you. Uh, Street Fighter the movie will be hard because a lot of the licenses out there for the actors and everything like that, uh, their licenses are all probably more geared towards just being a game and being in arcades and in home versions and probably have nothing in their contracts for re-releases and collections and stuff like that. Uh, they don't own Street Fighter EX. Uh, Arika owns Street Fighter EX. So I don't know. It just That's the problem is that Capcom will have to go through a lot of extra licensing stuff uh, to get a lot of that stuff uh, into a collection. 
So that that's the reason why. So, but yeah, having Street Fighter the movie on a version on a console that we can play with easy access to would be great because that game has so much more to it than we think. It is it's not a great game, but there's just so much like random depth and trivia that'd be so fun to show off on stream one of these days. So, <laughs> Slam Master. Uh, yeah, we won't talk about HD Remix, Forrest. We won't talk about HD Remix. I kind of already did. <laughs> but we won't talk about uh, HD Remix. In any case, um... Uh, <laughs> Dragon! Fire! Fire! Hurricane! Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I, my stance is on this. We do need to innovate more. But Evo is still going to be one of the best chances that we have because major publications will talk about Evo. So major publications will talk about Evo in the same way Ellen talked about Fortnite, right? That's why Evo is really important. People will talk about Evo. You know, it is it, it has gotten into newspapers before. It has gotten to the point where people talk about it and, you know, they remember these crazy moments and you'll hear people talk about the fact that there's 7,000 entrants, etc., etc. Evo is still really important. Evo is still one of our best chances at getting to the mainstream. Uh, if there's a better way to do it, we don't know. And uh, that's the thing, so... Uh, that uncensored episode will never happen, Gundam Jehudi Kai. Never, ever, ever happen. So, <laughs> in any case, uh, so that was one topic. I will put that into its own video <laughs> and upload it. But uh, any other questions here from the chat at this point? Do we have any other questions now that I have completely exhausted this question uh, uh, and talked about it forever? Um... Welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host James Chen, aka Jay Chenzor. Haven't done a fun Q&A session with my chat in a long time, so uh, I figured I would go ahead and do that today. Uh, so obviously Aki is coming out uh, tomorrow, so next week I'm going to be able to give all my impressions about her. I also talked about what is balance in the fighting games and, you know, what should, be re what should we really expect out of balance in fighting games. Uh, so uh, if you want to check that out, that should be on YouTube already at youtube.com slash Ultra TV. Again, thank you for all the support. Continue to like and subscribe. Continue to uh, turn off ad blockers for me, please. Uh, YouTube ad money is very crucial for me <laughs> right now. And then also, please leave comments. Uh, if there's any other questions that you would like me to answer, maybe I can save that for a future Q&A. 
so uh, let's go ahead and do this. If you want to ask me a question, type at Jay Chenzor in the chat. Uh, Acid Drops asks, how's the apartment now? The apartment's been fine for a long time. For those of you who don't know, uh, I had a disaster literally almost exactly a year ago to this day. Uh, the apartment's been fixed. It's just that uh, I had to spend all of my money to fix it and literally have no money left and insurance and the city uh, haven't given me any money back yet. So I'm just basically, uh, I, I have butterflies. I have moths in the wallet right now because I have, I'm out a ton of money from the repairs and I haven't had a chance to fix that yet. So, um, so Vanghorn 2.0 asks, do you have an opinion on replay video that can be labbed in Tekken 8? I mean, if you're talking about that feature where you can take a replay and then take over the game from that point of view, point uh, forward, so you can now lab a situation to find out how to defend against like a mix-up or something like that, that thing is amazing. I love that feature and it's great. Every fighting game should have it. It's not the first time we've seen it. Guilty Gear has had it back in Accent Core days, but I think the first fighting game that ever had that feature was Skullgirls, if I'm not mistaken. I think Skullgirls actually has that feature in its training, in its replay and training mode as well. Or you're supposed to be able to like low, even before Skullgirls, huh? Okay, okay. So, but Skullgirls definitely had it more, uh, oh, it was a, an old Dojin game that had it, okay. But in terms of like main or main, like more mainstream games, and I know Skullgirls doesn't really count as much as a mainstream game, but you know, it was a main game at EVO one year, so we'll count it for that reason. So yeah, Skullgirls definitely uh, was one of the first ones that has that. So uh, it is a great feature. Every fighting game should have it. And now that they're adding it to Tekken 8, the fact that Street Fighter 6 doesn't have it feels like a major, major gap in Street Fighter 6's uh, training mode. Um, but again, look, Street Fighter 6 training mode is great. Uh, I have no complaints about it right now. The frame meter is like my absolute favorite thing in the entire world. Like I love that thing so much. So, um, so yeah, it's great. Every fighting game should have it. Uh, but let's make sure rollback netcode and crossplay are handled first, and then we can worry about all of those kinds of bells and whistles afterwards. But for sure, uh, rollback and uh, crossplay are the most important things first, and then uh, adding things like frame meters, frame data. Uh, being able to take over replays, et cetera, et cetera, are on kind of on that next tier. Uh, Forrest asks, even though he says this isn't his question, but you can ask multiple questions, so it doesn't matter. He says, what is your take on balancing a very strong character like SF4 Seth by giving them low health? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it lets you get away with doing a lot of things. Uh, obviously, giving everybody the same health really kind of uh, forces you to have like true balance. But I do like the fact that health differences kind of change characters. What I like about Street Fighter VI right now is that some characters have different health, but nobody has extremely low health. So I think that's kind of interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Akuma is the first character that has like 9,000 health in Street Fighter VI. Let's just put it that way. But a character like Zangief having extra health so that he can afford to take more risks and stuff like that, I think is actually good. 
You know, obviously you can balance it the other way that Guilty Gear does, in which you just give them inherent defense ratings. Uh, so that's an opposite way you can do it. Instead of giving them more health, you just give them a modifier, a percentage modifier on the amount of damage that they take. Regardless, essentially what you're doing is changing how much health they have. And I don't mind it. I, I like that as a concept because I think it allows you to get away with things. You know, like if you gave Zangief another thousand health, does that up him in balance? It probably does. And you don't have to change all that much, right? I mean, Cammy, for example, like was in Street Fighter V. Everyone's like, this character's broken. And then she got dropped to what, 850 stun or whatever. And now everyone's like, Cammy's useless. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it makes a big effect, but it does allow you to get away with things. However, I don't like the Seth type of archetype where you're just like, I can do everything and I have literally no health. Like, I feel like that's a little lazy. Like, you can probably do a better job kind of, uh, you know, meeting in the middle a little bit to make it better. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I don't mind using health as a means of balance. I do not mind it. Uh, Investigation Cone asked me, have I ever played Akuma? How do you expect his arrival at the end of the current set of characters to go? I've had no chance to play any Akumas, remember? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of cool, like, hey, come play Aki early content creators that I'm not getting invited to. Uh, so needless to say, I have not had a chance to mess with Akuma at all. Uh, so, uh, I do not have any knowledge, opinion, anything. I do not know anything about the character legit. Um, how do I expect his arrival at the end of the current set of characters to go? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a little stronger. And like I said, I wouldn't honestly be surprised if he actually did have less health. And I wouldn't mind that as a balancing for Akuma because largely because that's always been Akuma. Like that's how he's always been kind of balanced as this character with who's super strong but has way lower health than everyone else. At this point, it kind of feels like part of his personality to me. So if they did that as a balance means for Akuma, I wouldn't mind it so much kind of going with forest questions as well. Uh, Case Money asks, there was discussion of rage quits a while back and how peer-to-peer -peer nature of online play made it undetectable. I don't play MK1, but it seems like they're doing something with quitalities. Have they figured out what is going on or what is going on there? As I discussed back uh, when we were talking about that subject, that is if you can actually quit in-game knowledge-wise. Like if you go to the main menu, like if you just close the application or you literally like uh, just go and exit the match from the menu or something like that, you can do quitalities. And in fact, people even confirmed to me that in MK11, sure enough, if you just unplug the netcode, that if you just unplug the, the network cable from your router, like if you unplug it from the PS5, you know, the game can logically say, you know what, the PS5 lost connection, maybe you rage quit, let's do this. But again, the game itself doesn't really, probably doesn't even have the ability to check whether the cable's in, plugged in or whether it's using Wi-Fi or not. It just knows whether or not it has a net, you know, a connection and what type of connection it is. 
The reason why uh, rage quitting doesn't work if you're smart enough to unplug your router or something like that is because the console itself has zero idea where the network break happens. It could have happened on your router. It could have happened on their router. It could have happened on any of the cables and routing stations anywhere in between. So in other words, when you disconnect a match via that kind of thing, there is no way for the game to really know and it will just error out instead of giving you a quitality. If you actually go back to the main menu of the PlayStation or quit in-game, the game literally knows you quit and so it can trigger quitalities. And it's that time again. Hi, Nathan. Hi. Hi. Oh. Are you wondering when it would be cat time? Yeah, it's just whenever Nathan decides to come up here. Hi, Nathan. Mwah. 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 What are you doing here? Isn't Project L solving this? We don't know yet. We don't know yet, but they might be able to do it because they have the infrastructure for a little bit more server-side knowledge of things. And so if every match, so every match in fighting games are peer-to-peer, -peer, right? So every match you play in a fighting game is peer-to-peer. -peer. Because you're peer-to-peer, -peer, there's no overlord master watching over the match and going, all right, what's going on here? But if Project L, because Riot has their server infrastructure in place where everybody can actually, you know, connect to a Riot server and not explode Riot because like, oh my God, I have to have all these dedicated servers. Like Riot clearly has the infrastructure to ha handle that. So if every match actually goes through a server relay point, that server relay point can now be the mediator. They are saying you're connected, you're connected, and if one person rage quits, it can actually tell which person disconnected because I still am connecting to you, but I'm not connecting to you. I'm gonna award you with the win and award this guy with the rage quit. The problem with peer-to-peer -peer is there's no mediator in the middle. You literally just have one string, and if it breaks in the middle, the only thing that happens is both games go, well, connection's gone but there's nobody out there that can say who is still connected, who isn't connected, et cetera, et cetera. So if Project L leverages the infrastructure that Riot has for League of Legends and makes every fighting game, for example, go through a server uh, like, as a, like, a, like a, a, as a link, they can determine who is actually uh, going to uh, quit or not. So... Um, the game has to rely on save games and peer-to-peer. -peer. No, I mean, again, that save games thing, I, I, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Uh, uh, I pioneered color commentary for five. Oh, uh, well, let me get to that question in just a second. Uh, let me get down to the next question over here. Uh, so, uh, Louis B., is that a mis a, like an alternate spelling of the obey? Probably not. Louis B says, first time got you on live. A big fan, way over from Vietnam. Ah, oh, hello. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome, Louis B. Hope you are enjoying yourself over there in Vietnam. Jeff loves tournaments where you were the commentator. I wish to play SF6 online with you sometime if that's possible. I suck at the game though, and am an old gamer too. I haven't done this in a while just because I've been just having fun playing ranked. 
but I used to just bring up lobbies where I people anybody can just jump into the lobby and come play and I would just jump into Battle Hub and then uh yeah it's not a lobby we would just take over a Battle Hub server and then people would just jump in and play uh if I if you ever see me tweet about that or if you ever catch me streaming on twitch.tv slash jchenzo and I'm doing one of those Battle Hub sessions absolutely just come on in and uh just be like hey I want to play you we can jump on a Battle Hub machine or something like that and play so yeah forest says pretty sure tekken 7 uses save states to detect rage quits it saves before and after match again it, it that's not gonna solve the problem we've talked about this before forest and that that's not gonna solve the problem unfortunately because again if you unplug from the router the game literally has no idea where like even if it saves or doesn't save or whatever like that it literally has no ability to tell you who rage quit like there's just the save state isn't going to be a way to determine uh who left and who didn't so uh shay asks you pioneered color commentary for fighting games yeah i used to so before i get into the next part of that i used to be play by play a lot more when i first started in street fighter 4 but I felt like, you know, because I was commentating with David so much, David was a little bit better at the whole. I mean, I still do play-by-play -play a lot. I still do a lot of the main course narration and stuff like that. It's interesting. I don't feel like the FGC has as defined roles for play-by-play -play and color. We just kind of jump back and forth depending on who happens to be talking at the time. Like a lot of times when I commentate with Ringe, I'll do play-by-play -play and then he'll add an analysis and then jump to play-by-play because -play something crazy happens. And then I add analysis and we just jump back and forth. I don't really feel like it's, it's as much of a... Uh, uh, um, you know, I don't feel like we have as much of a defined role in the FGC as a lot of, you know, like traditional sports and as a lot of other esports as well. So, um, so, but, uh, Shay also asked, what do you think about the importance of it in context of FGC and where it can evolve? Well, <laughs> I kind of answered that, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't think it's important to really maintain those hard, those roles hardcore i think it's good to be able to jump back and forth especially because a lot of times it depends on who you're commentating with uh the fgc we get swapped between people so often and uh as a result i find myself having to switch my role a lot a lot, a lot, a lot, right? So a lot of the times, depending on who I'm commentating with, I'm like, oh, this person doesn't do as much analysis. So now all of a sudden I'll just do color analysis all the time. But then if I commentate so with someone like Sejam or, or David, then all of a sudden I'll switch to the, you know, uh, you know, kind of little bit play-by-play -play stuff because Sejam, for example, is so good at analysis, right? He knows he can he can dive into a lot of the, the nitty-gritty of what's actually happening and why like the players are making the decisions but you know then i'll commentate with yipes for example and yipes is the one that brings the energy and the fun so i'll concentrate more on the you know on the technical kind of side of things and stuff so you know you want to jump around i think in the fgc it's more important to have that skill that variety uh so i think that's kind of where the evolution comes from in my opinion is that as commentators, especially in the FGC, we have to kind of be good at doing all the roles, especially if you're one of the more prominent commentators. Some commentators out there, they have one mode, right? Like that, this is their shtick. 
This is how they commentate. Uh, but there's a lot of other commentators like myself, like Jeremy, like Ringe, like David, like Yipes, like Sajam, like Tasty Steve, who are going to find themselves commentating with just the biggest wide range of people and as a result they do have to kind of be able to adjust to that i mean as much as everybody sees you know uh tasty steve as the hype man or whatever he he jumps into a lot of analysis as well so um yeah shay says it's crazy to see in fps esports they keep commentators in pairs for many years rather than mixing it up i mean to be fair in in the fgc and in street fighter in particular they mix it up more than most because honestly, like even if you look at Tekken, uh, they they have a, a, a hardcore core group of commentators, right? It's like whenever they do commentators, a lot of the times it's going to be Steve Rip, Mark Mann, uh, Eris, MYK. I mean, Eris, if he's willing to travel, but MYK, you know, they're adding a few other people in there now. But for the most part, they kind of stick to a core group. Street Fighter, however, because everybody wants to do Street Fighter, they just like, there's just this giant swath. And also there's also like 900 Street Fighter events out there. So there's a lot of opportunities. It's tough as a commentator because, you know, for as a commentator trying to make a living off of commentator, you'd rather have the Tekken method because that just means more consistent income. But for the interest of growing the scene and, you know, enjoying the fact that we have a variety, many different styles, and that we open the doors for a lot of potential newcomers in commentary, obviously it's better to do it the way that we are doing now. It's hard for me because I want more commentators and I want to help more commentators, but at the same time, I also want to be able to eat. So, you know... <laughs> It's like, it's like, what do I do? <laughs> so it's kind of uh, a little uh, difficult right there. So uh, Vanghorn 2.0 asks, do I stream when I play video games? I haven't been streaming my Street Fighter 6 run with Kimberly. I've been streaming everything else. I haven't been doing it with Kimberly because I'm taking my... Kimberly play very seriously and when I play online I play very very poorly <laughs> I play very poorly when I'm streaming uh, at the same time and so for Kimberly I've been playing without streaming but recently I streamed some Guile play I streamed some Ken play I streamed some Zangief play I will do the battle hub stuff and that the difference is that Vanghorn 2.0, the thing that makes it confusing is that I do it on a different Twitch channel. I do it on twitch.tv slash jchenzor. So if you want to follow that channel as well, uh, so you get notifications of when I go live or just follow me on Twitter. I always post up when I go live on stream as well. But I do stream my online play on twitch.tv slash jchenzor, but the talk show is here on UltraChen TV because this used to be a joint show with multiple hosts, so it didn't make sense to have it on one of our individual channels. Uh, Zilcho asks, I'm sure it's because of what you're dealing with, Busy, but will Battle Hub or other lobby nights come back in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's just, I just have, like, I've just been craving, like, yesterday when I played Zangief online, one, I started super late, and two, I was just craving the rank. I just really wanted to play ranked. 
and I just really wanted to play Zangief for some reason. So I just didn't do the battle hub yesterday. Uh, a lot of that is ADHD. So hopefully I'll be able to get that at some point where I'm just like, let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, we'll actually see what happens uh, in the future. Uh, but hopefully uh, uh, we'll get to, I'll get to that point where we have them again, for sure. Uh, any other questions just uh, regarding fighting games, regarding me? I mean, it's kind of an AMA, so you can ask me anything that you want to. I, I may not choose to answer it. It'll just depend on what the questions are. So <laughs> ask me anything. I won't necessarily answer everything. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, uh, any other questions here? Uh, like I said, virus. <laughs> You can ask. I may not accidentally answer. Do you see the quality of life stuff coming tomorrow to Street Fighter 6? Yeah, I think that's that's good. I'm still waiting for my alternate inputs for Drive Impact. Still waiting for that, Capcom. 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 Still waiting for that. I would still love to see that. Um, but, I mean, if they keep doing that, that's great. That's great. And if it's if it, you know comes with relative speed i think that's awesome so uh there's definitely like i'm surprised they still haven't yet fixed the inputs being eaten during drive rush actually happened to me in a zangief match at one point and i was like i can't believe my inputs got eaten ah! uh so uh i so the main quality of life thing that they're doing is making a smaller window for supers uh so that if you do a super, you don't accidentally do super motions when you didn't want to. Like you fake a fireball and then you actually throw a fireball. And then it's like, you did a quarter circle forward 19 hours ago. We're still going to count that. Have a super, you know, they've lowered the, 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 the check window, you know, the, the buffer, the input buffer window for supers so that that won't happen as much. So that's really nice. Uh, I really, really wish that they would change it so that, uh, Supers have a higher priority than OD moves, please, <laughs> please, because that one's really annoying. Um, am I going to fix Aki as uh, Vang Horn 2.0 asks? I will answer your question with a question. Does she need fixing? <laughs> That's all I'm going to ask. Uh, Stanley C Cup Gramps asks, what do I think of the uni Unity controversy? They're idiots. Uh, and almost kind of makes me happy that I didn't learn Unity. So now I might just go learn Godot and uh, go learn Game Maker Studio instead. <laughs> uh, do perfectly balanced fighting games really just mean no zoners? No, 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 no. Zoners absolutely should exist in fighting games. Having different archetypes is what makes fighting games great. If you take away archetypes, I mean, obviously some games don't have like lots of zoners or some of them may not have zoners at all, but z whether you have a zoner or a grappler or whatever is, is, has nothing to do with balance, honestly. Uh, nothing to do with it. So have I picked up any other mobile games since FFRK shutting down? Yeah, I play Street Fighter Duel now. I, I, I play, fortunately Street Fighter Duel is a game that you only need to play once a day for like an hour and you can take care of everything and you never need to touch it again. But I do play Street Fighter Duel now. Uh, 
Uh, what made me towards going, go towards programming for my education, asks El Zilcho. I wanted to make video games. <laughs> I wanted to make video games. Then I found out that the video game industry sucks, so I didn't ever go that direction. So, yeah, uh, the, the Unity developers, controversy, people switching to Godot and Unreal, yeah. So I might learn Game Maker Studio because it's really easy. It's not as robust. It can't do 3D stuff. But I just want to see if I can bring some game ideas to life that I've had and just see how they feel and see if that if what I make actually like starts to gain any traction. And then maybe I can do a GoFundMe or an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter or something like that. <laughs> uh, True Napa says with that uh, input buffer window, I don't really know what that means. Doesn't that mean it'll be harder to do supers? No, you just have less time to hit the button after you do the super motion. So what this game does is it does an exhaustive search of your input history and finds if the input for the super exists anywhere in there at all. And it goes back a certain number of frames the problem is it goes back too many frames and the window between when you hit the button and when you finish the input is too large so sometimes i'll be like quarter circle forward back forward back forward quarter circle forward oh wait wait now i just want to jab and you hit jab and then the game will go let's go back and look here's the quarter circle forward here's another quarter circle forward you meant to super super and you're like what what the hell? I haven't done a quarter circle forward in forever and a super comes out and you die instead of just jabbing. So uh, that's that's basically what it means. They're shortening that window. At least I know specifically for the button press after the motion completed. So if you do quarter circle forward, quarter circle forward, wait and then press a button, it won't come out necessarily right away. I don't know if that's gonna ruin my Zangief walking forward tech with the super, but I never landed that anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, um, I like watching your comment. Have you thought of telling us when you'll be commentating an event online weeklies? Uh, I usually try to do that on Twitter, but like, uh, I forget uh, if, if I manage to get ADHD, uh, meds, maybe I'll start to do that. Did I get raided? Oh, I got raided by Sad Geef. Thank you. Uh, I, maybe I'll try to do that more often on this stream, Harv. Uh, uh, K. John says, learn Unreal. Yeah, I want to, but I want to start simple first. I just want to start simple first. What's my favorite food? Uh, spaghetti and beef soup noodles. And maybe like my mom's little pork carrot stew and my mom's lion heads. Uh, those are probably like some of my favorite foods uh, of all time. Um, uh, the devs didn't do the game changes you suggested for HD remakes. We're not talking about virus as do you agree with punk that perfect parry will become a huge problem in the future? I mean, I had a whole video where I talked about why I don't like perfect parry. So I actually don't like perfect parry right now. Uh, I, 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 I'm glad it's there because it's the only way to answer some things, but I think that that's a, a bad balance decision. Uh, I, I don't know, like perfect parries, like if perfect parries being triggered caused a canned follow-up, 
that was like the way that I always want it is that like a perfect parry would trigger like a burst from Guilty Gear that's completely unblockable that just freezes the screen so that you move and burst before the enemy does so that you actually just hit them no matter what even if they're invincible and it captures them puts them in a capture state so it's a throw so I push them away and do like 100 or 150 damage or 200 damage and I push them away and now we're at zero then I'd be okay with perfect parries. I think the way that perfect parries are right now are they they can change momentum a little bit too much for something that is potentially very difficult to plan for. Like because the window is two frames, I still think it's not reliable enough from your opponent that you should be hampering your own offense worried about people doing perfect parries and plus the game isn't really designed that way anyway so like if Marisa does strong strong into gladius you can perfect parry that so if you're Marisa and you want to bait that out and you do strong strong into nothing they'll parry but then they let go of the parry button and you can't punish them for doing it anyway <laughs> so like the game isn't designed in a way to counteract perfect parries. And so you can't change your offense to account for it. And you just kind of just have to hope that your opponent doesn't perfect parry everything you do. Hope. Whereas by the time we got the third strike, they finally added the difference between forward parries and down parries. You can't forward parry some moves, you can't down parry other moves. Because in the original Street Fighter 3 and in Second Impact, down could parry, no wait, I think they changed it in Second Impact. But the original Street Fighter 3, down parry parried anything you could low block. And so you just down parried everything, right? And so it was just like, I can't even play anymore. But third, by the time you got the third strike, everyone had universal overheads, everybody had super cheap, broken ass shit that blew up parries and so you could actually account for parries uh you can't really do that in street fighter 6 right now which is why i don't like perfect parries at this point so uh that's kind of my opinion on that right now uh couldn't you throw if you're marisa yeah i guess you would have to do strong strong into scoot him into the command grab that might work i'll have to test that out to see if that actually works actually Let's see if that actually works. Are people really having trouble with quarter circle forward times two? No, 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 no. It's not that they're having trouble with it. It's that the super keeps coming out when they didn't want it to. <laughs> it kept coming out when they didn't want it to. Forrest says, the devs didn't do the game changing suggestion for H. No, yeah, like I said, I'm not talking about that. Uh, do I believe a new VF, DOA, Soul Calibur, or Bloody Roar will ever happen? Uh, in order of possibility, I think DOA, Bloody Roar, oh, VF, and then Soul Calibur right now is kind of my order. Uh, I really, really hope Soul Calibur does have another one. I think Bloody Roar is niche and kind of silly enough that someone might actually just sit down and be like, yo, let's green light this. So weird. I actually feel like that that might happen. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Yasha GT, who says I'm a legend. Uh, Aki stream on the Jay Chenzo channel in a few hours? No, because I'm going to be commentating ICFC uh, later on. So you can actually just tune on on twitch.tv slash Jay or Tenno Media to watch that tournament. Uh, 
let's see here. What else we got? Should I learn to play other characters in order to get better at my main or just find the matchups? Uh, Louis B, play other characters. Especially in this game because other characters don't mess up your, your ranking for your original character. Already, just having played Guile a little bit and Ken a little bit have made it so that I understand the characters a little better and will make it easier for me to fight them. Uh, make sure, if you can, try to mess with them. You don't even have to dedicate yourself to them. But, like, find, like, for example, play Ken and just kill everybody with Jinrai kicks all day. And some people are going to randomly blow you up for it and you're going to be like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. And that actually helps a lot. Uh, but it's hard to do. It's hard to do. So take that with moderation. Depends on your own level of skill, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, do the combo trials. If anything, it, those do help, but you forget what the combo trials are teaching you because you're just obsessed with beating the combo trials. Actually, like using them in a match will make you remember things a little bit better. Oh, lion heads. Yeah, sorry. Shizuto, uh, sad geef. Chinese pork meatballs. So basically, a Chinese pork meatball is just a giant round of meat. Uh, and they are delicious. Uh, let's see. Food, meatballs, let's do this. <clears throat> okay, the reason why we call them lion heads. Hi, Nathan. It's because they look like little lion heads. Like if you imagine a lion with uh, uh, like a mane, like you could just like stick the little lion face right on here and that's what a lion head is. So this is basically what uh, what they are. So Chinese uh, rest, they call these things lion heads and they're just Chinese meatballs. That's it. And they are freaking delicious. They're so good. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Oh, the server maintenance is on right now. Makes sense. Uh, I also wanted to make games and found out the industry is awful. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Street Fighter 3 parries got nerfed uh, basically towards the end. Uh, guest pairing on Wake Up is actually considered a really bad idea in uh, Street Fighter 3. Uh, that's actually considered an intermediate tactic. If every time you get up off the ground, you're trying to parry, uh, that's considered an intermediate tactic because the odds are not in your favor and people can actually blow you up pretty badly for trying to guess parry all the time. And again, in Street Fighter VI, your only option of blowing that up is a throw, and that's the only option you have. And you do a lot of damage, which is good, so... And that's why throw loops have to continue to exist for now. For now. Are you concerned the input changes will make the game harder? No, Fractal Cactus, I don't think that will make the supers harder to do. Uh, I really don't think that uh, that'll happen, so... Um... Uh, are you enjoying F099 off stream? Uh, in a way, yes, I am male Needle Queen, mainly because, uh, oops, let me switch back here. Mainly because I'm not good at F0, so unlike Tetris 99, I have no pressure to perform well. <laughs> so if I'm finishing like 16th or 20th place, I'm like, woo, whatever, and it's fun. Whereas in Tetris 99, whenever I don't win, I'm mad at myself. 
So F-Zero 99 has been really nice because I've just, it's, I've been able to chill. It's a lot easier to play. Uh, Sad Geef says, you're a Zangief user. I got clips of Super 2 coming out without two quarter circle forwards on SPD. I think it's picking up the inputs, but dude, I have tried to churn butter to SPD someone and it keeps coming out as the stupid level two so often and it makes me so mad. So yes, it happens to me as well, uh, Sad Geef. Uh, it happens to me as well. Are Lionheads specific to China? No, they're, uh, uh, they are popular all over the place. I, I think they're a popular dish in Taiwan as well. Uh, people a lot like chemistry and stuff, experiments and trails. I hope not student loans, no bueno, no delicious meat. Yeah, I hear that a lot from everybody, to be honest. Okay. But there you go. I've caught up to all the end of the questions there. It's 8 o'clock, so I think this might be a good time to call it a night over here because uh, I don't see any new questions at this point. But I am hungry looking at these stupid pictures of the lion heads, so now I'm going to close that window because it's making me way too hungry right now. <laughs> oh, man. But, yes, Aki is coming soon. I wonder if people can actually play her offline yet. Like, if you update it, even while the servers aren't there, you might even be able to just jump into training mode and start messing with Aki. I don't know if you need the servers to verify that you have the season pass or something like that, but... I mean, it'll be cool to see uh, people check that out. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys had a great time. Again, I will be commentating the ICFC later tonight. For those of you here watching on Twitch, on YouTube, you can check out uh, youtube.com slash Tenomedia for the archives up there. Or even check out twitch.tv slash jchenzor uh, on Twitch and look for the archives up there and watch that because I will be restreaming it on my channel as well. Uh, also another thing too, Hey, if you've made it this far, uh, kudos to you. I probably should have said this earlier. If there are any particular matches or anything that you would like me to analyze on the Tuesday show, like I did with the snake eyes Reynolds match, uh, please put your suggestions in the YouTube comments and that way, uh, or if you're here on Twitch, DM me on you on, on Twitter or even just at me on Twitter and give me some suggestions and stuff like that. I would be, I would love to analyze more matches, but uh, outside of that, thank you guys for tuning in again. Thank you for continually supporting the content over here. Hope you guys are enjoying everything here on ultra Chen TV. Thank you guys for watching. Stay safe out there, guys be excellent to each other. And uh, for those of you on Twitch, don't go anywhere. I'm going to raid somebody. But for those of you on YouTube, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday. <laughs>